0: the local podcast by homeslice media and pioneer bank and trust this is the local podcast i'm clay berkland director of agricultural banking here at pioneer bank and trust my guests today are sherry coleman and Ernie Schaefer from the trust department ladies welcome to the program
1: thank you thanks for having us clay
0: absolutely so i've been looking forward to this for quite a while um With my new position as the Director of Agricultural Banking, one of the things I'm most interested in is helping families transition from the operation they have today to what they see it being in the future with their family or some loved ones or employees that they want to see transition into their business. Um, So, hoping to hear some ways that you can help us do that. Uh, Sherry, how long have you been working with the Trust Department?
1: I've been with the Trust Department for
0: 25 years now, I think. And Renee?
1: I've been with the trust department for about
2: two and a half years. Prior to that, I was a CPA in public practice, did a lot with agriculture.
0: So through your experiences thus far, I'm sure you've had a chance to make a difference for someone. Sherry, what's your favorite story that you have helping someone with the trust department?
1: You know, there are so many wonderful families that I've had an opportunity to work with. Um, Some of the ag families that have taught me a lot over the years um, have, you know, the whole, you know, learning what the cow-calf pair and the bread heifers and the, all of that has been really interesting. Um, just kind of, you know, we actually had a a great um, single gentleman that we got to help kind of toward the end of his life. And, and Clay, I think you got to help us with that. Um, he had an unexpected accident and asked us to step in and help. And one of my favorite things is remembering when we went and took his cattle and loaded them all up on the trucks and then took them over to Nisland and weighed them and, and sold them through video that way. It was, it was a pretty neat experience for us. We don't get to do that every day. So,
0: so helping fulfill the dream or make a reality of someone's transition, uh, that's the reward that you find in, in what you do.
1: Yeah. There's a lot of different ways that, that we get to see families, um, Hopefully we get to start with them when they are just in their planning stages, but sometimes we don't get to come in until somebody's in a bad way or has a bad diagnosis or something like that and kind of help the families figure out how to how to transition the right way so that the families that are on the ranch are taken care of and that the family that um the families that are further away know what's going on and how things are coming along.
0: Renee, do you have a favorite story that you've enjoyed thus far in your career?
1: Well, actually,
2: we just saw one of my favorite stories. We have a ranch trust, and just prior to this, we were um having some lunch and and we got to meet the the lady who was there and we got to talk with her a bit and um which is about a month ago, I got to go on a um tour of their ranch, kind of understand what is going on with the ranch and with their family situation. And gives you a lot of insight when you start planning that, okay, yeah, I, I understand their operation a lot better after being there. And now let's go back and plan and hopefully we can do the best for them going forward.
0: So having an opportunity to visit with them and see what direction they want to take their operation is helpful for you as you walk through the process with them. Is that is that correct?
2: Yeah, I think that's the best part about it is as I've gotten to meet people and find out because we get to spend time with our people before anything before we're needed we can meet them we can find out what they want and so when they're in a situation where they can't talk for themselves we can talk for them and i think that's really important especially in the ranch world where what is the ranch to you there's a lot of of different attitudes about that is is the ranch a legacy? Is it something you want to keep in your family? Or is it just an asset that, that is, has served its purpose and, and needs to go on to someone else now? You know, that's, that's a really big deal, and it really plays into how you're going to plan for your future.
0: So you find it helpful to visit with people a fair amount beforehand, before you start making that plan, just to feel the direction they would like to go?
2: Yeah, I think from the time that they they sit down, which could be 30 years before we're ever needed, from that time on, when they sit down with us, they can we can start to get to know them and understand what their thoughts are and their their hopes for the future, and that really helps going forward because then once you get to that point, whether it be me or the next trust officer, we have enough background so that we can understand how to move forward
0: sherry is that how you feel about it as well
1: yeah and i'll tell you estate planning is a perpetual process because you're at a different point in your life the people you want to inherit from you are in a different place in their in their in their lives there is a lot of estates that i i know that jeb worked with for years and years before I they actually came in after Jeb retired and, it, and it's been really great to be able to see that and to also bring our staff you know that we're we're developing our next trust officers so they're hearing about the families that we're working with now so that we can pass down this information and this history the same way so even if Renee and I aren't there there's going to be somebody that has followed along with this as we've gone.
0: So the bulk of my customers are roughly my age, not quite 50. I'd like to point that out. <laughs> um, is it too early for us to start?
1: Not at all. It is really important to look at getting a plan in place so that if something unexpected does happen, that that you have something there for the unexpected. And just getting that first plan down on paper and then being able to refine that over years is, is really the best way. It's not a once and done kind of situation unless you're planning in your 80s.
0: <laughs> so I'm not totally familiar with the mechanics and I would assume a lot of our listeners aren't either. When you talk about a plan, that's the trust plan and that's different than a will. Is that accurate?
1: Well, you can have a will or you can have a trust and a will. You're almost always going to have a will no matter which way you go. But um, if you have a revocable trust, that's going to designate how your assets go down and how they're managed when you can't manage them and also after, after you've died. But the will is going to c- catch anything that doesn't go into trust. So a trust is kind of a management while you're, while you're alive and takes care of a lot of different situations where a will only comes into place after you've passed away
0: so again spending some time with people as part of the planning process begins maybe with a will but then once that will springs then you start to take some more action based on the trust document that you create
1: yep yeah a revocable trust lets us lets the the person who's planning have a lot more flexibility because you can change that trust document and no one needs to know it but you are still under that same document to be able to handle things, um, gives you a lot more security, which I think is a big part of estate planning, is just having the security to know that your family's taking care of, your ranch is taking care of, you know, not leaving things to chance, which ranchers don't do, so.
0: So to bring these things together, you need uh, an attorney and a CPA and a trust administrator. Is that? Can you kind of walk yep. me through those steps, how, how one gets to that point?
2: Yeah, the first step is that we like to say is come in and talk to us and just kind of the the initial meeting to kind of understand what it is that you're going to an attorney for. And then the second step is to find a good estate attorney. By a good estate attorney, I mean someone that works with these on a regular basis, understands them. Also, um, many times your CPA is a very good resource. But, yes, the next step after coming to us and just, kind of talking through the generalities is to meet with an estate attorney and have him draw up your documents. Most times what they'll do is not only draw up a will, but also a power of attorney, a financial power of attorney. They'll also talk to you about your healthcare power of attorney. And then if your circumstances warrant, then they go to the next step, which is a trust. There's many types of trusts. Mostly what people start with is a revocable living trust and unless they have a certain circumstance that they need to work with.
1: And, and the thing about that is is if they start with the trust officer, if they start with Pioneer Bank, they don't have any obligation to use our service necessarily, but we can save them some, some money maybe on the front end of being able to talk through a lot of different situations. And the thing about it is, is attorneys are great and definitely have... A, really, really important role in this, but as we have seen so many different circumstances and working through the documents, we can sometimes offer some more insight that gives that first plan a little bit more completeness.
0: So would it be safe to say if I just bring someone in, everybody's always worried about cost, you would be happy to consult with us and say, Absolutely. Here's your starting point. Here's where it looks like you are. Here's yep. the next step that you need to take.
1: Yep, and I really like doing that. I like and even when people even if they're starting to draft their documents and they're just trying to think through things, I love to put their their document on a kind of a flow chart so that you can see what the whole document says on one piece of paper with bubbles of who's getting what and how that works. It just is a different way of looking at it. And, and we don't charge anything for that. There's no commitment that you're making to Pioneer Bank on that. We just want to be there so that as things progress, if you find a place that, that you feel comfortable for us stepping in, we want to be there. But if you have a document now, we'd love to sit down with you. If you're have, if you in the planning stages and you're already working with an attorney and you have a draft, we'd love to see it. I mean, just to be able to say, well, this is, this is what we've seen happen.
0: But even if you have something, if it's 10 years old, you could find find, that there are circumstances that have changed for you that you may want to address and change?
1: Absolutely. And, And there are so many changes in everyone's personal life, you know, any marital situation or kids born or, you know, special needs situation that arises later on. And just the politics of everything also enters into that, you know, that we're looking at different estate tax situations that are coming up here pretty soon, too. So, so I think reviewing that, at least, if if your document's 10 years old, you need to dust that off and bring that
0: in. Years ago, um, and I can't remember, I believe it was around year 2000, they changed the tax code and expanded the size of an estate. That is set to sunset sometime here in the near future. Can you share some of your information with me on that?
2: Yeah, in the year 2026, it will go from our 11.6, which is basically where we're at now with inflation um, adjustments, it'll go down to 5.6. And that's going to be a lot of difference for a lot of people, especially in the ag world when land values are so much higher.
0: So when you reference 11.6 and 5.6, you're talking... 11,600,000 as a total estate that.
2: Estate and gift tax exclusion at this point.
0: And that will lower to 5.6 million in 2026. So now would be a good time to start addressing your estate planning needs if you're going to tip that threshold, is that?
2: Right, and depending upon what happens with the upcoming election, that could change quite a lot also. Um, If you want to talk about that at all, um, if our if we have a, a Democratic president, I think we're going to see some other changes in the estate tax exclusion, one of which being uh, that we may lose our step-up in basis, and that is a really big deal for estates.
0: When you talk about a step-up in basis, that's taking the, the valuation of the land as you own it and passing it on to the next generation. It, it allows you to raise that limit?
2: Right. When you pass away, you get a step-up in basis. It's one time when you pass away, and that step-up in basis is to the current market value. And if you didn't have that, then that land that you bought for $100 an acre 60 years ago, and now it's worth $500 an acre, you'd have capital gains tax to pay on the difference between the two. At least your heirs would.
1: So, although there's a lot of estate tax reasons that people plan, also being able to review what the assets are and what the basis of them is now, so that you can do planning to make the net tax the least that you possibly can, you know whether it's capital gains tax or estate tax or gift tax, you know there's there's a lot of ways. And um, Jeb always used to have an attorney that said estate tax is an entirely voluntary tax because you could definitely plan your way around that. And if you listen to the news, apparently income tax is also a voluntary tax. <laughs> <laughs> but but we can we can do a lot of different things just with everybody's unique situation. You know, there isn't one plan that you can put over the top of somebody's ranch and say, this is what's going to work for you.
0: So I'm hearing you say this isn't a mission you accomplish in five minutes.
1: (laughs) No, it's a really long. We actually just finished up an estate plan that took us a year from beginning to end. And it's really detailed and the people are really, really happy with how how it worked out. And I bet in two years, we're looking at that again, because they're just very certain that they want their family taken care of in the way that they see it. You know, they have people that they're taking care of in their life now, even though they don't have dependent children, they have children that rely on them, and they want somebody to be there when they can't.
0: You're listening to The Local Podcast. We will continue our conversation with Sherry Coleman and Renee Schaefer from the Trust Department at Pioneer Bank & Trust in just a moment. Welcome back to The Local Podcast from Homeslice Media and Pioneer Bank & Trust. This is The Local Podcast. I'm Clay Burkin, Director of Agricultural Banking here at Pioneer Bank & Trust. My guests today are Sherry Coleman and Renee Schaefer from the Trust Department. So Sherry, Renee, uh, we are here on October 4th and we are six or seven months now into the COVID-19 crisis. Uh, We're discussing estate planning. And one of the things you've mentioned are like a medical healthcare power of attorney. I hope I'm catching that correctly, but uh I think COVID-19 has brought some situations uh into people's lives where they they find maybe what they had in place is not useful. Uh, can you touch on some of the things you're able to offer there or things you can review for people in a situation like that?
1: Even though the bank doesn't act as a healthcare power uh, we're pretty good at helping you to review those documents to understand what what is there? One of the, the the big things that we've come across is that it used to be if you were put on a ventilator that was kind of an end of life situation.
0: Now and it's a continuing life decision in some yes. instances with COVID nineteen. Okay, sorry yeah. to interrupt there.
1: No, yes, exactly. That's it. So if your if your health care plan says don't put me on a ventilator, you c- might want to take a look at having that adjusted. <laughs> And another part of that is just to make sure that you know what that document says, that the people that you have appointed are willing to act and they know what your, what your desires are and, and they actually have a copy of your document. Just because things with this virus seem to be so variable, depending on who knows what of why it affects people in different ways. You just want to be ready for whatever happens.
0: So a lot of business owners and folks that I spend a lot of time with were kind of private and secretive with some of our information, but it would sound to me like you may want your family members, if they are your decision-making person, to know that beforehand.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And you don't want to put them in a situation that that they get told that now they're going to make a decision and they never even got to ask you any questions about it, or they're not able to.
0: So you maybe want to have a little exposure with them, saying, yes. here's where I want to be and what I want to do.
1: Yeah. I think that
2: this generation that we're seeing planning right now is understanding more and more that they need to be more transparent. I had some clients in the other day and they said, you know, we're going to keep our kids involved in everything because we weren't when our parents passed away and it was very difficult to carry on.
0: If you don't have someone in your family that you want to appoint to make those decisions, then what do you do?
1: Well, you know, we've had people that have appointed um, members of clergy or um, pastors, people like that. There are also some businesses that, that serve in that role. Um, there's, there's one that we have a, a client that uses, but part of, even though Pioneer Bank doesn't act in that role, kind of the neat part of it is, is because she did this planning ahead of time. She said, you know, I know that, that these people make the decisions that I want, but I want you guys involved. You guys are the ones that I talk to all the time. Um, She wanted to go to the nursing home and, and take a look at things. So I got to go on that trip with her to hear the way that she wants things to go, because it kind of works well to handle the assets in the right way so that they correspond well with what people are doing with how they want to live when they start to need help
0: too. Would so the the message I keep hearing here is there's not a cookie cutter solution to everything. You can customize and make it your own.
1: Yes, and I think that's the biggest part about Pioneer Bank. I mean, is because all of the people that are with the bank are local. You know, that they are all, everything, all the assets that are administered are Administered here. You're not going to have a, a different land administrator in another state and then an investment guy somewhere else. We have a lot of great experts and they're all in one place so that they're talking to each other and are close to you and reachable.
0: One of the things that I'm always struck with is Western South Dakota is a very small community. I, I assume you know most of the estate attorneys and CPAs in, in our trade area and work with them on a regular basis
2: yes we do we definitely work locally wherever possible That's, helps all of us because we know each other and we can call them up and get an answer and have them involved in a situation whenever we need
0: and everyone kind of has their own area of expertise is that correct yeah. um, attorneys some attorneys are better at real estate some are better at estates is that is that true
2: Right, estate. Those that work in the estate field are—that's what they do. I mean, law. I think anyone will say has gotten very specialized. And we might have a mineral issue. Well, we have a, a an attorney that's very good in the mineral field that we'll go to. Um, or it might be a lease issue or an easement issue. Um, you you get so that you know who is most comfortable in which field and who you can rely on to give you the best advice. And that's what we can also pass on to our clients.
0: So you can offer a shortcut in those situations then to a solution.
1: Yeah, and it, it's kind of neat because we've worked with a lot of these attorneys and CPAs and we can go, hey, do you remember this situation? It's going to be kind of like that. You remember how we approached that and it worked better this way? What do you think about handling it in a certain, taking a certain approach to it? and like you said, it's a shortcut, Clay. It just you you work with these people all the time so you know how to communicate. You're not starting at the beginning every time.
0: So you have me curious, do I need a trust or just a will?
2: I depends think, on your circumstances.
1: Yes. And <laughs> and and your family. I mean, you know, what do you what do you want to accomplish with with what you have and and how would your family work with you if you became incapacitated and you know it's kind of one of those things that we sit down and look at what you've got and then we can work on your goals from there because it's really most important what what you want to see happen rather than what anybody else wants to see so
0: if I want to be stubborn and let them figure it out then what happens
1: well I don't find very many people that want to give money to the government so that's usually where I start and and the less you figure out ahead of time, the more somebody else is going to make decisions for you, in my opinion. Would you say that,
2: Renee? Oh, yeah. And if you don't have a will, then then state law determines what happens to your property, and it's not going to probably turn out the way you think.
0: So I probably should at least have a will.
2: You should at least have a will.
1: Yeah. And it's hard. I I actually the thought I was kind of a amazed that when i went in and redid my will after some changes in my life i actually teared up in front of the estate planning attorney i was like i do this every day for a living and here i am in tears over my own estate plan that's it just catches you it it's not an easy thing to do
2: no but it is also an extremely important gift to give your kids to have a plan in place and for them to know what's going on
1: and for you too i mean you know that Mm -hmm. way you're when you're not in control you're in control right you know because we're only going to be able to do what you told us you wanted done
0: i've recently had a friend pass away and as a lot of people do he had chosen another friend of ours to be I don't know if you call him the executor or the personal representative for the estate um, because he thought he would knew what he wanted done. Um, I don't know all the details, but I can tell you today the the friend isn't sure he still considers our deceased friend a friend because of the work he had to to go through. Uh, He didn't do things like this on a routine basis and it's taken him almost a year to walk through that. So that can be avoided if you just do a little pre-planning and maybe your best friend's not the best person to have do that.
1: Yes. And, and the thing is, is that people used to look at it as being an honor to be appointed in a will or in a trust. And the thing is, is you think about how busy you are in your own life and then trying to make decisions for somebody there that's not there to help you figure it out exactly the way what they were talking about. It, it's a lot of stress to put on somebody
2: not only a lot of stress but a lot of responsibility mm-hmm. that they probably weren't ready for. I mean, do they know all the tax laws? Do they know all the legalities of probate and and do they really want to get into the family situation that was left behind? There's a lot
1: involved in it. And gathering up the assets is a lot of work, you know, trying to account for that. It's just not in everybody's repertoire to have those skills. Where we have systems and and things in place, it's second nature. You don't have to have somebody that's on the side trying to think about it and trying to answer everybody's questions.
2: Right, and you know, as a as a corporate fiduciary, the thing that's important is is that we work in the best interest of the beneficiaries of the person that's passed away. That's our job, and as a result, we are responsible for all those things that someone else might not even know about, much less be responsible for.
0: Do you ever find assets after the fact that you have to determine what you're going to do with? I mean, all the it's time. like a treasure hunt sometimes, I assume. Mm-hmm. when
1: Especially if somebody dies unexpectedly, but, and there's always things like minerals. If you don't take care of minerals when somebody passes away, if they had a reserved mineral right, there's a lot of things that, are really difficult to see right at the very beginning and somebody that's just doing it on the side that's trying to take care of their own life too and get through the grieving process it's a tough situation to be in
2: yeah I think one of the best examples of that is we have a client that put us in as his as his, his executor but also as his um, in his trust as his trustee. And even before we became trustee, he would come in and we would talk, we would be able to get his information together. So when we did actually become trustee, we knew where the assets were, we knew where everything was at. And it was a really seamless transition into being trustee.
0: Probably gave his family peace of mind and some fairly quick closure to be able to not have to fight through those battles themselves and and let you do the work.
2: Especially when his family isn't here, isn't close, isn't someone that he can, he could rely on on a day-to-day basis. And those are the things that, you know, that's where we can step in and be a lot of help.
1: And it's always nice when we can start when somebody's still able to stop by and tell us the changes. We all have such different perspectives of, in one conversation what what a person takes out of it compared to what another person takes out of it it is can be totally different and we all know that we talk different in front of our parents or our children you know to be able to come into somebody that's a third party that you don't have to worry about judging you or your family and say this is really what I want and just be honest you're not going to hurt anybody's feelings you know we can help with you know, different ideas of approaches that we've seen or problems that we've come across to avoid, you know, that's important stuff that we don't get if we don't get to meet people ahead of time. I mean, not that we can't follow the document, but it's just nice to have more information.
0: So in a perfect scenario, walk me through the process. Uh, I'll pick my mom and dad, um, sorry guys, as our guinea pigs in this scenario, um, I don't think they've met either of you before, so I bring them in, introduce them to you. You just start the conversation kind of seeing where they want to go and if they have a will.
1: Mm-hmm. And I like to find out about their family. You know, what it, who, do you, who do you have? Who do you want to take well, care of? Well, I'm their of? favorite son. Yeah, I have so. Also the only son. But.
0: <laughs> so once you cover that, um, see if they have a will, um, if they need to make updates to that, and then, then what?
2: Well, I guess the next thing would be, what do they want? Is, yeah. Again, let's go back to the specific questions. Is the ranch something that they want to keep in the family, or is it just an asset to go out to the kids that are no longer on the ranch? How important is that? And then you look at what other assets there are, and if there's one of the children that want that is on the ranch, how are you going to make it work for them, especially in our economy these days when it's awful difficult to make it on a ranch if you have any debt at all? And so how is that going to transition? What's the transition process? Those are the things I think that you start with.
1: And how do you take care of your kids or how do your kids take care of you? You know, those are important things to know. Just the family dynamics, not not being snoopy about it, just learning about how a family works together.
2: Right. And what do you need? Mm-hmm. I know a lot of, of ranchers uh, have been years and years and years working and not making a ton of money, so do they have a social security base? Do they have enough in social security so that's going to take care of them, or are they going to need to live off the ranch? Um, What is it that you want from that? Is it a rent situation? Is it you want to stay there? All those questions really come into play when you start looking at an estate plan. And then long-term care. Long-term mm-hmm. care is a, is a big deal. I'll, well, Sherry, I'll let you address that a little bit.
1: But that's one of the things that's really nice. When, when Clay was saying that he's not 50 yet, if we can work with those that are not 50 yet and look to see where they're at with their Social Security base and look to see what they plan for their their care. I mean, now is when you want to buy a long-term care policy. I know that you're the favorite son, and I'm sure that your kids are going to take care of you forever, Clay, but... If they don't, (laughs) do you need a little bit of insurance to make sure that you can go to a facility that would be comfortable for you?
0: So it sounds to me like you need to have an interview and clear up some of those concerns first, and then you probably start working with their accountants, with their attorneys to structure a plan.
1: Yes, yeah, it, and the nice thing about that is, is we're the free end of it, <laughs> is that, you know, not that, that...
0: We're probably not always free, but we're free in the beginning. Anyway. <laughs> yes, we're
1: free in the beginning, <laughs> but it it's just nice to be able to kind of visit about how things might work out for people and and how they want to be taken care of and want the other people in their lives taken care of, I think is, is the big picture part of all of that, you know, on a... Ranch, or if if you don't have a kid you wanted to go to, do you have a long-time lessee that you want to give a better deal to or have first try refusal or it doesn't matter, get the most out of it that you can? You know, things like that are important to know.
0: So sometimes you're not just in a situation where you're settling out the estate. You may be continuing a business for several years or maintaining a ranching operation and the examples we've been using for 5, 10, 50 years. Can you tell me? about a scenario like that?
2: Yeah. Back when the estate tax exclusion was a lot less than what it is now, a lot of trusts were set up and those trusts have to have trustees and sometimes that trustee is a corporate trustee such as Pioneer Bank and Trust and we are tasked with taking care of the beneficiary which a lot of times is either a minor child or the remaining spouse so then we look at what assets we have in the trust and what they can best be used for maybe in the situation where there's different types of property they want to be able to retain the ranch but they have some other property down the road or or closer to town where they want to get get that down the road and have that be an asset that's really being used to um, come up with an income situation for the beneficiary So maybe we help them sell that property and invest that money so that the beneficiary has that money to be used on an ongoing basis. And those are probably the ones that are the most fulfilling because we can help the family, keep that family involved in what we're doing and kind of be their their helping hand. We don't want to just tell them what to do. We want them involved in what it is we're doing. As an independent, independent trustee, we are the ones that are tasked with making the decisions, but we want everyone to be a part of that.
1: Which is the most exciting part that I've seen in the, the 20-some years that I've been in this, is just the transition from having the bank being a safekeeping, trying to keep the money all safe and control everybody it, not that it was that, but it now it's so much more of a partnership. It's so much more of, you know, you bring a lot to the table. How do we enhance what you already have, what you already know? There's pieces, you know, of different ways that we've seen things work that we can draw from, and, and between all of the different trust officers and trust committee that we have, you know, ag loan officers that give us input, you know, it's different ways of of approaching things that we can offer from a different viewpoint than the everyday operator. So we really enjoy that. And and I know I've talked to even like Jay Cordell has been really good to me about, you know, I I see operations working like this and I see operations working like that. And we can kind of apply that to some of our, our lease situations and our, our cattle share situations that we have to offer more input ranchers aren't always known to be the most forthcoming with information so it's kind of nice to have pools to draw from that way and also helping with children that way too i mean we know we see now that people are taking care of their children for a lot longer their children are either living in their houses longer as adults or you know they're in another home that the parents are are taking care of for whatever reason they They just feel better about making sure their kids always have a place to be, and we do that, you know, no judgments. Everybody has different kinds of values. I very much admire the parents that can say, you know, it doesn't matter that my daughter isn't the greatest with money. She's really great with kids, and she's a great teacher, and she's never going to make a lot of money being a teacher, but I don't want her to have all the money to spend at once, but I want to help her. You know, I want her to fulfill her legacy by helping kids grow up well. And I want to make her comfortable while she does that. So those are my favorite parents to work with are the ones that are going, you know, this is my kid and I'm, my kid's great. But I'm helping them. This is what I want. So,
0: So you have a lot of dynamic relationships then with your customers, it sounds like.
1: Yeah, it's great. And it's really great to be part of a team that is going to look for all of the, the best solutions. You know, we're not, I don't have to know everything myself. I've got Renee to help me with the tax side, and I've got Lynn to help me with different benefits and things like that. And Melinda's always on me about making sure we have enough insurance and taking care of that part of it, you know. So it's hiring a whole team of people that are all on your side it's, it's a great place to be. And I think one of the things that we can
2: do as trustees is we can help in so many different situations. When people set up trusts, it's not just a trust to be just dis- to dis- dispose of the assets. Maybe they have kids that are special needs. Maybe they have, we have two pet trusts.
1: Yeah. And, and those are fun.
2: Those are a lot of fun. So there's so many different situations where we can help. Maybe there's, maybe one of the kids isn't good with money. And, and so we might have to look into a spend thrift, thrift type trust. Um, just anything that, anything that like that, where we can specialize for that specific situation.
1: And I had a family come in and actually they, they just have a will. They didn't have anything that needed to be, very complicated but they brought their daughter in and she said yeah I don't want the responsibility of getting all that money at once but I'd love to have somebody that helps me if if my house gets hailed out I don't know what to do if my mom and dad aren't there to help me we just kind of get to step into that little bit of a role that people can really appreciate and is really fulfilling
0: so once we have these documents in place how often should you review them
2: well, you should really review your documents pretty regularly Anytime you have a life-altering change, whether that be a change in marital status, the kids grow up, um, something else happens that that really changes your outlook on life. Maybe at some point you start really believing in a charity that you think that you want to give part of your estate to. It just anything that, that's... A, altering change in your life is a good time to do that. And probably at least every five to seven years, I would say.
1: Yeah. And if you put a goal of doing it every five years, even if you don't feel like you've had any changes, you might not get it done every five years. And you'd be amazed at how many changes have come up since the last time you wrote it, or the last time you remember exactly how you wanted things to go. You know, it's, these things are, Are documents that are really going to have a lot of impact on your family and are hard for people to go through. I think having somebody to sit down with that they don't have to feel the pressure of of the cost and things like that and to know that if there is a situation that comes up and they want help that they know who to go to.
0: Should I have a trust or just a will? Do I need both?
2: Well, there are certain situations where a trust is important. Like if you have real estate in more than one state, blended family situations are a big one, Uh, children and grandchildren that that you're helping, and uh, situations where you need that extra is where a trust comes in. And I would say probably, wouldn't you, Sherry, that it depends upon not only what assets, but how much for assets that you have?
1: Yep. Yeah, there has to be enough to make it economical. None of us want to charge trust fees for something that doesn't pay its own way at least. So, we're we're always conscious of that as well. You know, you don't have to feel like you're going to get stuck with a trust that will that won't be economically feasible because even if you have a trust in your arrangements, we'll we'll make sure that it's the right situation when it comes up for everyone involved. Um,
2: right, and and especially in a blended family situation, trusts come into play more and more because you may have a spouse that is not the mother of your children that you want to take care of during her lifetime, but after that you want your children to receive whatever's remaining. So that's a situation that we see more and more.
1: And it's nice to be able to have that accounting of where the money came from and where it went to so that it just answers a lot of questions for people without there having to be accusations or misunderstandings amongst family, somebody to go to that's independent. Right, and us being independent
2: also many times in a blended family situation saves the family being at odds.
1: Mm -hmm. Over something that they don't need to be. I mean, the, the best gift that you can give your family is is still being family after you're gone. And I think that's a lot of what we offer. And uh, we can take all the questions. You know, you have you have somebody that's trying to figure out all of the health care and the nursing home and all of that kind of thing, and then the other kid that lives, a, you know, across the country is going, so what happened to all the money? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I mean, we can at least help with with that part of answering those questions and having that being that person to go to that you're not accusing us of anything. You ask us all the questions you want up and down, left and right. We're there. we that's what we do. So, and I also think it's really important if you have special assets, you know, we've talked a lot about a ranch, but if you have a family business or, you know, something along that line, we see how families want that to go, you know, to be, to take care of a spouse during their lifetime, but maybe after that spouse is gone, they want it to go back to the family that the business originated with, you know, along that lines, without getting too specific about, you know, things that families or businesses, but there's a lot of taking care of other people, but making sure in the end that if there's money left, it goes the way that, that person that passed away where they want to see it go, if it's to a charity or back to family or, or what that could be, and still take care of you know, their partner or whoever that might be or their pets.
2: <laughs> Cats do live longer than dogs, by the way.
0: Point taken. <laughs> We've talked a lot about leaving things for your family or transitioning businesses. Are there instances where that's not the case and people just have assets they want to get rid of?
2: Well, I think more than that, there's a lot of people that don't have family these days. They may not have children. They may, not, they may have no one that they really want to leave their assets to. And that's where a corporate fiduciary can come in and help make a plan. What is the plan? Are there certain charitable institutions that you want to leave your money to? Do you have some other area that you want to leave your money to? Those are the types of things that a corporate fiduciary can really be a help in that peace of mind.
1: And I have a great couple that has some really unique collections that they have. And and we've talked about different museums that they'd want to donate those to or whether they'd want to sell them off to give the proceeds to charity. You know, so we've had a lot of interesting discussions that way of people who already have intent. We're not going to try to talk anybody not to giving the money to their family, but definitely for the people who feel strongly about their church or organizations in our area. You wouldn't believe how often I see the NRA named. So that's kind of an interesting way and do you do you donate your guns or do you sell your guns and donate the money? You know, there's there's things like that that matter to people and we enjoy working through those discussions.
2: Yeah, or like our pet trust, who maybe the beneficiary is a local humane society. And that that one is gonna continue to do good well past the person's pet's lifetime.
1: Yeah. And we see, you know, people have a difference whether they want to kill shelter or no kill shelter, you know. I mean, you see even people who have like interests or like Feelings about animals have different opinions on how things like that should go. So it's really, really specialized and and you deserve that. You deserve to have somebody handle your estate and look at your estate in a way that you would look at taking care of a person.
0: Thanks for listening to the local podcast. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are opinion and information. While we strive to be accurate and transparent, any errors and or omissions are unintentional. Non-deposit investments available through Pioneer Bank & Trust are not FDIC insured, are not deposits, obligations, or guaranteed by Pioneer Bank & Trust, are subject to investment risk including possible loss of principal.